This is The Nature of Invisible Things with your host, Erin Kelly. Stories and conversations exploring the magic, mysticism, and creativity of the road less traveled. Hello and welcome to the Nature of Invisible Things, the podcast. I'm your host, Erin Kelly, and I'm so glad you're here. Friend, I, holy moly, it has been over a month. It's been five weeks since we launched the Nature of Invisible Things, the podcast in Aquarius season. And at the time that I'm recording this introduction to episode six, we are at over 600 downloads at this point, and I am just amazed and so grateful and so thankful for each one of you that are tuning in each week to hear these stories and conversations with these amazing people that I've had the privilege of meeting on my path. I love this project immensely. I'm having a great time, if you haven't noticed already. And the fact that some of you are feeling so connected to this and you tune in every week just makes my heart explode with so much joy because I couldn't have I couldn't have asked for anything better, right? Other than to create this community and this web of connection even though we might not know each other, you know. It's it's very precious and I'm I can't believe it that this is episode 6 and yeah, we're off to the races. Off to the races, as we'd say. So yes, today, friend, I am joined by the incredible Mariola Rosario, and you're going to hear our conversation in a minute. This is season one, episode six. And Mariola is someone I met in The Magician's Table in 2021. We were in the first cohort. And we recently, we've been following each other, of course, since since then, um, but we live in completely different parts of the world. And so time zones, you know, make it a little bit more challenging to stay connected. But I, I just adore Mariola. And we had the opportunity to spend more time together over the fall uh, in Vulture Coven in 2023. And that's where I also met Samar Jade and Shade, who also have been guests on the podcast. And it was just, it was just a rollicking good time <laughs> in uh, many, many ways. And, and I am just so happy that I got, I mean, I was happy to be there anyway, but Mariola, um, I didn't know Mariola was joining until maybe like right before Vulture Coven started. And I'm, I'm just so happy that she did. Uh, Mariola is someone who I just feel a deep resonance and connection to in a way that's similar to how I feel about Brittany and the fact that this is someone that I truly would have loved to have met when I was a child. <laughs> and, and, and there's someone who, you know, inspires that, that childhood feeling of exploration and of wonder and possibility and magic. And you're, you're definitely going to hear some of that in our conversation today. Um, we talk about all kinds of things and 
We both have a love of Mercury. Also, we recorded this episode. This is what I wanted to say. I finally remembered. We recorded the episode in on February 8th, earlier this month. Um, today is February 28th, just for listeners who might be catching this at a later time. And at the time that we recorded, Uranus was making a trine to both Venus and then a square to the sun. And so we were we were feeling the Uranian energy absolutely um, in the mix of this conversation. And I think it just punctuates it so, so beautifully. Yeah, and I've had a lot of um, great experiences with Mariola. Uh, one of my things that I just absolutely love is her artwork. And I was a beneficiary of receiving the most beautiful collage that was a, I'm going to call it a, almost like a talisman in a way, like it captured the energy and the sentiment of our reading together when she read for me in Vulture Coven. And I am not going to share it because it's very personal, but just the fact that all of the elements that were captured that or that were most present in that conversation, I have this lovely keepsake. In addition to, you know, the experience of being in Mariola's presence, I have this lovely, lovely touchstone um, that I, I look at fairly often. And I'm just so grateful for that. And that's what I love. That's what I, I that's what I love about this path is like, we're seeing how or hopefully you're seeing, I'm seeing, and have been seeing how, you know, you don't have to, if you want to be an astrologer or a tarot reader, you don't have to do it like everyone else does. Like you have your own special point of view that wants to emerge and wants to be shared with the world. And, and that's beautiful, you know? So finding where your passions and where your maybe some of your natural skills and abilities that you think might be a little bit strange or weird actually are probably, you know, your special sauce. If, if we can say that, you know, it's the flavor that you bring. It's how the magic and mystery of this human life is expressed through you. And Mariola is one of those people who I think their life and their art and their magic and mystery is just so beautifully demonstrated. And, you know, our conversation, we we talk about a lot of things. We talk about the difference between being an occult studies practitioner versus being a, um, or excuse me, we talk about the difference between being a scholar of occult studies versus being a practitioner of magic. And we really get into an interesting conversation around the present moment and a look at maybe examining the reasons why folks get into astrology in the first place. And so I'm not going to spoiler alert that. I'm going to let that just kind of ride. And, and we also have a really interesting conversation around uh, disconnecting from the noise of the world and what that means as a creative. And, and though I am not quite an artist in the same way, I still feel like my life is art. <laughs> and I am the artiste that is creating my life and responding to the world as we go. And so, yeah, I think even if you are not a traditional artist or a fine artist, like you can likely connect with this conversation. So 
let me welcome Mariola. Mariola Rosario is a bruja, astrologer, teacher, artist, researcher, and flaneuse from Borokin, the land known today as Puerto Rico. She is currently living and experiencing our global collapse from the shores of Paris, France, where she sits on her throne overlooking the legendary Père Lachaise Cemetery, an endless source of inspiration, devotion, and daily walks. In her practice, she melds astrology with visual arts and mythopoetic meanderings. She is the, power, the proud steward of a powerful Scorpio stellium in the first house, and it is from this swampy helm that her son sends light beams in all directions with a special luminosity towards that which is hidden in the dark nocturnal. This has given Mariola plenty of deep diving, underworldly curiosity, and a ghoulishly contagious sense of humor and a psychopomp quality in most of her creative pursuits and obsessions. She likes to walk with people in these mysterious realms as a friend at the crossroads and an extended hand and an extended hand to those who wander through the liminal landscapes. Her Pluto, Sun, Saturn, Mercury, Rising, and South Node all ride the Plutonian chariot together, sometimes cloaked, sometimes blazing brightly through the darkest of nights. Mariola offers one-on-one -on -one astrology consultations in English and Spanish online, in Paris, or wherever she may be. She also offers walking tours of Paris to those interested in oddities, sandwiches, and astrological and mystical symbolism throughout the city. In 2024, Mariola is co-hosting a very exciting and unique astrology and yoga retreat in Greece with our mutual friend Megan Fry. Limited spots are still available, and I've got a link here in the show notes if you'd like to join them under the Gemini skies. So without further ado, I am pleased to share my conversation with Mariola. Welcome to the Nature of Invisible Things, Mariola. I'm so glad Hi, you're you for here. having me. Oh, yeah. I'm so glad you're here. I can't wait. We, uh, for folks that are listening, uh, we are recording this on Thursday, February 8th, and Uranus is very much in the mix, in the mix today. We're feeling it. And I am just so thrilled to talk to Mariola. When I, when I was thinking about like the first round of guests that I really wanted to talk to on origin stories, uh, Mariola was on the top of my list. One, because Mariola met me, Mariola and I met uh, in 2021, we were in the first cohort of the magician's table, which was a wildly magical time. And I just loved Mariola's energy. I loved the reading that you gave me. And I'll talk about that in a minute. But one of the things that I love is that I enjoy some of the more macabre side of things of life if you can even say that's part of life I think it's very much part of life and what I love is that you are always down to talk about it to think about it to discuss what might come up like when we're talking about death and I just love that and there's not too many people who I would say that I know I could probably count them on one hand probably 
yeah, <laughs> of like people who are down to talk about that type of stuff. And um, yeah, I think that there's, it's such, there's so much magic there. But the other thing that I love about Mariola and the readings that I received from you and just getting to witness your work over the past couple of years is just the, um, I'm going to call it multi-sensory type of interactions that you have because there's the art component. There's this beautiful collage component and um, there's also the playlist. Um, Mariola has a whole bunch of sign-based playlists on Spotify, which I'll probably link some in the show notes of my favorites, if not like where to find all of them. And I absolutely love them. And so it's like, what I love is it's just another way to experience the wonder and mystery that is astrology. And I'm just so appreciative um, for you for bringing that to us. Yeah. Thank you, Erin. Yeah, it feels very special to be here. We've known each other for a, for a bit now. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we've both seen each other through some growth edges. And uh, I remember when we met, we were both in this, I think we were both in this moment of like stepping into like, the light, you know, yes. just kind of like testing the waters of what it would feel like to live more publicly as a witch, a mystic, a weirdo, whatever yeah. you want to call it. Um, so yeah, it feels amazing to be here. Thank you for your intro. It's really generous. Uh, and it's very touching. I have just, yeah, I just enjoy it. And you also have a Substack now, which you write <laughs> about various things. And I'm obsessed with that as well. Those um, you have, I would love before we're going to get into a few things, but well, actually, let me just start in order. I'll ask you about this <laughs> other thing later. Um, but what I wanted for folks, if you could just, how would you describe yourself presently? And you can do this as your magical self. You can do this totally as your human self. Like, what would you say? about yourself in this moment. And then if you're comfortable, you can share your big three with folks. Yeah. Okay. So I'll give you my big three first, because that just feels easier. Uh, <laughs> so I'm a Scorpio rising, Scorpio sun, Capricorn moon, with a pretty huge Scorpio stellium in the first house. Um, and then who am I in the present moment? I've been really uh, identifying with this, the archetype of uh, the wonder and the observer. I think I'm in a very observant moment in my life because there's just so much going on. Obviously there's so much going on all the time, the bombardment of info and this feels very Uranian to be talking it about does. this already. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm feeling into kind of taking a step back and just, just seeing things, observing things before taking action. And mm -hmm. as a martial person, a Mars ruled person, this isn't always easy. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I would say yeah, the observer and also the wonder, but again with this like lens of 
like walking, observing, seeing what's going on almost in a detached way. Um, yeah, the flaneur and the flanus is the mm -hmm. uh, like archetype that I that I associate with myself a lot yes. as a resident of Paris. Um, so yeah, someone that walks and wonders and like heals through the act of walking. Yes. Uh, yeah. Okay. That's I, that's my answer. I love that so much. I also uh identify with that and I um I first came across that word even though I have some basic French um I first came across flaneur uh through Alice Sparkly Cat in their description oh. of Sagittarius Venus which we both have FYI yeah. <laughs> so there's niche. <laughs> yeah. And like, I have had, this is going to, this is probably telling a little too much about myself, but here we go. Um, <laughs> I have had on walks when I am observing and walking around, I imagine this like trail of stardust flowing out behind me. Like when you mentioned healing through the act of observation, I imagine like every footstep that connects to the ground that the mycelial network is saying hello to me and that the birds in the sky are talking about me and that as I move through the world there's this like trail of stardust and so I think that's oh. happens you know so beautiful yes let's go on this walk together I know one thing I wanted to ask you though just because when you were talking about the observer one thing I, I know about your natal chart is you have the North Node um, conjunct Algol. Mm -hmm. And Algol is very much like the watcher and the observer and like not turning away from some of the, well, not some of, but from like the horrors that are happening yeah. in the world. And so I was curious, and I, I know you have studied um, the fixed stars as well. And I wondered if you had ever... Like what you think about that connection, especially like with it in your chart, where it is. Yeah, Algol, aren't we in such an Algol lesson right now? Mm -hmm. Right? This like, don't take your eye off the horrors. Right. As horrible as they are. Um, because they've always been there. That's right. the Algol thing. Like Algol knows that this is not a new thing. Right, because Algol has always been there, yeah, for way longer than we have. Um, but yeah, Algol is a fixed star to for people that might not know, um, and it's associated with the myth of the slaying of the Medusa. Um, yeah, I think about Algol a lot, mm -hmm. actually, as a more so as a kind of uh, teacher of the collective uh, than um, something that I use for myself. Although, yes, also, right. uh, Algol has a, a lot of reputation of, of being like a, a protector, pro protectress uh, energy and, and like magical astrology and, and all of this, like, kind of talismanic um, energy, which I love. But I do think right now it's it's, it's a very collective mm -hmm. uh, thing. Yeah, I don't know if that 
yeah, the fixed tariffs. Um, they're just like these these great ancestors that are out there, and they're very mysterious, uh, more so than the planets for me. Yeah. It's uh, something that I am enjoying learning about now as I've kind of completed like the initial understanding of our cosmos as we observe it. And then there's like, yeah, there's that additional layer of like, okay, (laughs) you thought that was cool. Hold on to your socks because hold on (laughs) (laughs) because you just wait till you learn about fixed stars and just the magic. And I call it magic, even though, you know, I use it in like the most loving and also broad sense of the term, like there is actual magic there, but it's more of like the mystery. I think I use magic and mystery like interchangeably. And yeah, that's awesome. And so uh, how would you describe like your modality right now in terms of like what you are interested in sharing with folks yeah I guess my main modality is still astrology but I am undergoing construction (laughs) when it comes to this uh, modality I I'm thinking of new ways of incorporating my art I'm also a visual artist Um, so yeah playing around with like uh, the possibility of bringing more of a visual component into astrological readings. Um, I'm also in love with tarot more so than I have ever been in my life. And it was kind of an accident. I started to give these year ahead readings that had like a small tarot component at the end. And it just ended up being my favorite thing to do so I'm really now like kind of turning my gaze more into yeah exploring the cards cartomancy um which I was doing already but mostly for myself Mm -hmm. not so much as a service to others so that's that feels very exciting and then uh, always researching I love like researching occult shit which we both do I think (laughs) this is one of the reasons why we get along um I'm also just like a a lover I feel like a lover in general of the places that I um inhabit and the people that I meet um yeah just kind of feeling more into possible Venusian offerings mm-hmm. uh, people and to myself yeah um yeah does that answer your question it does your question? it was just about, <laughs> about like your your one of the things that I'm learning through this podcast is like I, I'm my next it's it's leading to my next question which is about yeah. how you found your path so that's coming in just two seconds but what I'm finding is like when I try to like ask folks about a mode like how did you find your modality what I'm learning is like yeah. that's not so many folks are utilizing many modalities and mm-hmm. it's so I was like okay I got to figure out like how I have the question but when uh, we were chatting, when I asked like how, you know, how you are. And I, of course I read your bio already and everybody already <laughs> knows this part about you, but 
just wanting to kind of set up that question about, yeah, how did you discover your path that you're on now? You know, if you can think back, you know, um, like where would you describe the nexus point? Yeah, this path that I'm on feels very old to me, Um, older than my consciousness of it for sure. Yeah. And so, yeah, just like sending love to that part of me that is just now like um, discovering that this is older, ancestral, beyond my body, uh, perhaps even beyond my lifetime. Mm. Um, But more concretely now going back to, you know, going down to planet Earth and the present, um I think I mean I was definitely a baby witch mm-hmm. I've got many stories that indicate that I was like already a little witch uh, at a very young age uh which included making people uncomfortable mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. <laughs> here we go like this and and thus begins the path of of hiding and and sort of like understanding that not everyone is down for the mystery the ghoulish uh, sense of humor and also this keen observation that I was born with I was born with mercury on my ascendant in Scorpio by the way which I associate with these things um Mm -hmm. But then, yeah, or I think when I was in college, I received, maybe it was like 20, uh, it was very, it was a long time ago, I received my first reading, like maybe in 2004, I received my first tarot reading, it was incredible. Um, And then I realized that actually, like most of the women in my family were kind of magical practitioners without really um, putting a label on it. You know, Puerto Mm -hmm. Rico is a very magical place. Um, Yeah. And again, it goes back beyond like, I think what anything that I could even put words on. This is a very magical land. It's very connected to to the earth and to the water. We're an island. We've got the island magic. Um, And then in 2018, I had a big crisis and I knew that I needed to seek help. And I also knew myself enough to know that I needed some kind of magical component, (laughs) Mm -hmm. right? I didn't just want to go to like regular therapy. So I went and I saw my first astrologer. That was in 2018. Yeah. And it it really changed my life. It was that moment, that very beautiful moment that I think we've all had when we have like our first sort of like mind blowing astrology reading. And I was immediately like, I want, I want to do this. Like, mm. can I do this? Like, is this available for people like me? And so I began to study by myself. And then eventually in 20, I think it was 20, 
19, I was living in Dallas. I was really not vibing with the Dallas life, feeling very isolated. And I wanted to find a magical practitioner um, for advice. And I think I just like really wanted to connect with a fellow witch. Mm-hmm. And that's when I found Britton LaRue, who is the glue that holds us, many of us together, or at least it, it's the glue that started to hold us together. I think now we've all just kind of like stuck to each other. In <laughs> ways. Um, yeah, so that was in 2019, then 2020, I did Magician Stable, you know, and the rest is history. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I know it's funny, like, what I liked about what you're saying is how in the lineage terms, like the, the people in your family also being magical. Cause I think that's something when I look back at some of my family, I can see it now. They would never, I mean, in my family, they would never identify themselves that way. And actually there's a lot of fear, I think around identifying oneself that way, but I can see it. I can see it now with the sight that I have, but I couldn't see it then. And I think there's, um, I, I I personally think there's something really beautiful about the reclamation of folks in our generation, which you're younger than I am, but we're in the same kind of like time uh, experience, if if one believes in time, of like where we're, uh, I think the acceptance and the exploration of these tools has a healing quality that goes back, not just in our own timeline, but our familial timelines as well. At least that's what I like to believe as I'm walking. Absolutely. You know, I'm with you on this. You know, I'm sparkly. (laughs) I know. I just imagine us like walking down, like through the park with the trail of stardust flowing behind (laughs) us. But yeah. And it's interesting because like I was when I was talking to Natasha Lovinger, one of the things that she mentioned was about therapy and how like therapy really works up to a certain point. It helps you to like intellectualize things and like have that uh, mental process of understanding what happened. But after a certain point, like it's in her opinion, and I tend to agree, like it's not necessarily as effective. Like you can only intellectualize so much before you have to start to like integrate it. And like, what do you do with that information? You know? Yeah, I would have to agree as the person that also um, has benefited from, from therapy. Same. um, Yeah. Perhaps it's just not enough for everyone. You know, Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll say that. Um, at least for me, it wasn't. Yeah. And especially yeah. if some of the, I'm going to call it longing or the emptiness that I, ex- I'm going to speak for myself right now, but like the longing that I f- was longing for, the emptiness that I was searching to fill was pieces of myself that had to do with the acceptance of my magical life. Mm-hmm. So. Yes. You know, like therapy was not going to fix that <laughs> after no. a certain point, yeah. you know. So, yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I was curious about, like you mentioned research um, 
And then, of course, you have like Mercury on the ascendant. And I was going to ask you, you kind of already answered one of the questions I was going to ask is like, I have um, benefited from reading and uh, observing your work. And like, I know you have this special affinity with Mercury. And I was curious, like, has that, did that start before your awareness of astrology? Or I would love to hear about your relationship with Mercury, if you'd like to talk about it. Yeah, uh, I love this question. Like the mercurial part of me is tingling. Um, Mercury is happy to be like called into the room. Um, yeah, I am a very mercurial person. I knew that before I, I spoke the language of astrology, you know, even like the way that we use the word mercurial. Um, like, what does that even mean? I remember at some point after I started astrology, I was like, why do people say, like, what is, because it's like a bad thing to be real, usually, when people use it, at least in, in my life, I had experienced it that way, like someone that can't commit to something. Or um, Anyway, I obviously don't think of it as a, a bad thing. Um, yeah, my relationship to the mercurial realm as it relates to intellectual pursuits, uh, research, investigation, you know, all those things. I, I have a background in, um, yeah, academics. <laughs> I've, I've always been like a very academically inclined person and a very good student which is something that I've had to untangle myself from this like sort of good good student archetype um and yeah my background is in comparative literature which is now that I speak astrology is such a mercury thing it's literally like comparing things like comparing disciplines reading a text and then like finding correlation with other texts from different uh, timelines or different cultures. It's very like multidisciplinary, uh, this uh, discipline, the discipline of comparative literature. It's very theory-based, it's very nerdy, but yeah, I think it's there's like this plurry, what's the word? I'm thinking about it in Spanish. And also you'll see that I I speak three languages and I often get lost in translation. So I'm like plurivalencia. I'm thinking about this word like pluri. Mm -hmm. Plurality. Plurality. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, this sense of like plurality, multiplicity, you know, like bringing in... Um, disparate elements or things that don't necessarily appear to correlate um bringing those together that feels like a very mercurial yeah. thing and that's something that I've always been obsessed with doing which is why I ended up studying comparative literature and then I you know, I continued in that path and I think I still have this although I've now stepped away from the more academic uh, side of my life I still have this mind yeah that enjoys 
making connections, especially when it comes to things that don't seem to connect. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I get really excited when I used to do research when I was a strategist, I would get really excited when two things didn't match up or two things mm. were contradictory or there was no information. I was like, mm, this is getting even other people would be like, what do we do? And I'm like, no, no, <laughs> they, you don't understand. This is like really exciting. This is an invitation. Into this, exactly. <laughs> this, is, this means that either no one has talked about it in the way that we're going to, or yeah, there's a lot more in there. And I love what you're saying too. It's like, when I think about the occult, one of the things that was my experience and where astrology, the language of astrology really pulled things together was you know, the occult is hidden until it's not like, even if you're trying to like, I'm trying to explain this to people, even if you're like trying to study the occult and you pick up like an occult text, but if you're not primed, if the brain isn't primed to make the connections, if the mind isn't able to see the hidden information, you're not going to see it, even if you're trying to see it. Yeah. But one of the things astrology does is it enlivens all of these like everyday things that we see all the time. And the language of like symbols becomes alive. And that's when I found like so many more of like the um, occult readings that I was trying to like look at started to make sense after I had learned like the language of astrology. And I was like, oh, okay. Now we're cooking with gas. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I relate to that so much. Yeah, I think about this a lot. This like the distinction between, um, yeah, being like an occult studies scholar, an intellectual um, person, and then being a practitioner, yes. right? It's mm -hmm. so different. It to, is. To actually admit and like fully embody the fact that you are a practitioner. Mm -hmm. Like you're no longer researching. Right. It's different. The research is always there, like the books, the texts, the history, the ancestry, all of that. But yeah, like admitting to yourself that you want to be a practitioner, it, it, it kind of requires you to leave the other stuff like to the side, at least for, for a minute. You know, mm -hmm. this kind of um, like crutch. Yeah, you have to just rip the Band-Aid at some point yeah. and, and yeah. just jump in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or else, yeah, the symbols, like you're saying, it's, it's the only way like things are going to really start to speak to you, I think. Yeah, um, and that was symbols. one of the things that um, really practicing actually did make it come alive in many ways um, for me. But I think I started to really understand correspondences and altar work in a new way of like how that is the interface, like the ritual work and the altar work is one of the ways like spirits know you're talking to them. <laughs> Like mm -hmm. that's, that's the, uh, the connection. That's the telephone line in a lot of ways. And so, I mean, they're always there, but like in order, like to, um, if you're trying to have a specific conversation to a specific end, that's one of the ways that, you know, you, you go about doing that. And that, you know, was mind blowing for me. And I kind of slipped into it by accident. Mm -hmm. 
Like I didn't have expectations, if you know what I mean, for like results. Right. So when they started to like happen, it was pretty, it was, it was wild. It was just wild. I'll say, you know, um, and it's interesting. I'm happy that we're talking about this because one of the things that I love is ritual and ritual design. But um, I find that out of all the things that I offer, not that many people are take it up necessarily be, compared to like really? just having an astrology reading. And I think that there's some, mm -hmm. I think there's still a lot of like, maybe I don't want to use the word fear, but um, uncertainty and like trepidation around that. And, and I get it. Like it's something that totally. Yeah. Yeah. Once you're ready, you're ready. But before that, maybe probably not. just a, a lot of um, it's just unknown, you know, it's just the, there's some misinformation out there and yeah, just lack of really knowing what ritual even means, you know, mm -hmm. can't ritual can be a very scary triggering word. <laughs> yes, it is. But then I also like to like having your cup of coffee every day is also exactly. a ritual. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We know this, like the, the everyday, I mean, that's, I think once you become a practitioner, that's the funny thing. Yes. That you're like working <laughs> with these like gigantic energies and mystery and the cosmos. But really like what it is about is about being in the present moment enjoying your cup of coffee like can you be present with your cup of coffee yes or no if the answer is no then you can kind of forget about like you know drawing down the moon at least for now you know right like maybe just like sit with yourself for a bit exactly uh, so yeah like it's like all about these like little mundane tasks these like third house stuff right if you want to mm -hmm. use the the astrological that's houses where, yeah that's where my chart ruler is <laughs> the third house. right and so my it moon. Makes, yeah it makes makes sense all of a sudden I that's what I love about astrology it's like I was and one of the reasons I'm starting this podcast or or doing these interviews is like I felt so different and and, and I was like and that's okay but what I'm realizing is for a long time, I thought I was wrong. And the reason I was having the experiences I had was because something was wrong with me. And then astrology like gave me, it's like, no, 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 you're actually meant to be this way. And mm. it's okay. And like, actually, the more that I leaned into the promise and the possibility in my chart, the more life unfolded. And I'm curious, like for you, uh, one question I'm asking, and it's and I get a variety of answers for this is, if you could go back and I'm not talking about like time in the sense of like, uh, cause there are folks that, you know, you can go back in time and do a lot of things, but yeah. like knowing what you know now, would you change anything about, you know, how you came to your path? Yeah. Let me take a second to feel into this question. Like my immediate Uranian answer is no, I would <laughs> not change anything. <laughs> But then the intellect comes in, right? right? And then, of course, there's lots of things that I would change. But no, at a core level, I am very grateful for the way that my path has 
unfolded and where it has led me thus far, including all the unbearable, cringy <laughs> things that have come up, painful, uh, yeah, relationship ending, you know, mm, yeah. all, all the little deaths that come with following your path. I don't really have any regrets, but I do have some grief, you know, and that's yeah. just part of the part of it. Um, part of walking on this path, like any path, really, this is mm -hmm. like beyond the, the magical realm. No, this is just life. Um, yeah, one thing that comes to mind, I think is, I guess if I could change it, <laughs> but I don't know that I would really be able to because I, I didn't know, like my right. past self did not know what I know now. But yeah, I think my relationship to being embodied and in just in the present moment, like that's one thing that I, you know, I send compassion to my past self for, for not, for just not knowing how mm -hmm. to do that, how to stay present um, and always like either kind of being stuck in, in a past loop or especially like looking towards the future, you know, this like future um, where you no longer feel pain or where you're no longer cringy or, you know, where when you're no longer alone. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it's all about like the present moment, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's one thing. But again, yeah, would I... Would I change it? I don't think I could, even if I wanted to. Um, but that is, like, I guess, an advice I would give to someone if they were to ask me, um, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, to, to, to um, with love and compassion for yourself in the moment, just like the acceptance of like the moment and what is. Yes. And, and looking into those of us that are attracted to, to the magical paths, the, the many modalities. Um, yeah. Like looking into why that is, especially with astrology, that's, so like future like the word future is almost like tattooed on astrology's back you know like a lot of people go into astrology because they want to know something from the future that has not happened um and then immediately there's that that pressure on astrology for unveiling something that hasn't happened when like we know that astrology is so it's a time it's a time practice it's a language it's a skill right it's an art form it's something that we have inherited from fellow humans that are more flawed as well um but it's only again from the present like the questions that you ask you're asking them from the present self mm -hmm. that only knows what the present self knows right yeah. like who knows what the future 
myself. So anyway, going back to like, yeah, this sort of compassion for people, for, for the you that is looking into magical practices as a way to escape the present, you know, mm -hmm. I think we've all been there, right? Yeah. Um, as a way to like leave the body. I know I have engaged in these practices a lot. Like I don't want to be here anymore. So I'm just going to like fly off somewhere mm -hmm. else. Um, but yeah, turns out it doesn't really work that way. No, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I, feel that too very deeply as a Pisces rising I'm skilled mm. the art of escape <laughs> yeah <laughs> and what I found is like all of the you know that was the really kind of ironic experience is like the the person the medicine I was seeking was also what I was trying to escape from and it was in this like loop that I realized like, oh, I, I really just needed to come home to myself and yes. be okay with that. But like there, so I, and that's one thing too. It's like, I can't remember exactly when, when I first started leaving or abandoning myself, you know, and that's like a big theme. Um, eighth house <laughs> person, like it's all about, like, yeah, like couldn't really do it any other way. Um <laughs> But yeah, that's that's really interesting. What I would love to hear about if you are comfortable speaking about it is like what your practice looks like now, like how you stay connected. Um, you know, I get the sense because I know you, I feel like I know that how you're connected, but I'd love for you <laughs> to share like for other folks um, listening, just, you know, what are some of the ways that you you practice now on a on a regular basis or how you stay connected oh see some ways for me okay this might sound contradictory but currently and that's fine we love contradiction we love it paradox bring it on mercury hello um but one thing that has been really helpful for me for staying connected to my practice has actually been um, <laughs> um, I'm trying to phrase this like I was yeah. going to say something really complicated but uh, I guess releasing myself from the bombardment of information and resources that are out there for magical practitioners. Again, with love and respect to everyone putting work out there. When I first got into this, I just, I became like such a consumer of information. You know, I just, I wanted to devour everything. And, and I was like that for four years. Um, and now I think I'm in a place where like, I'm obvious, I'm obviously still a consumer of information. How could I not be? Um, but I've kind of turned off uh, some of these things mm -hmm. because I realized that I need to, in order to listen 
to myself and my own channel, I need to stop uh, seeking the validation or the words or the information from other people that I love and respect as well. So it's just like, it's kind of like a boundary, I suppose, um, like a loving boundary mm -hmm. that I've had to put on information. Yeah. I mean, information is, it's such a thing, right, of our, of our time, like the, the intensity and the speed of information and how it reaches us. And there's so much of it related to astrology and magical practices, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so yeah, I've had to give my mind kind of a, a, a break <laughs> I so that I can that. really like listen. Yeah. I love that you brought that up because it's something I've had to do. I've never articulated it though. Um, and so it's comforting to know that, okay, it's not just me, but I had a similar experience where I have, um, love hate relationship with social media because it's like I enjoy I want to see what other people mm -hmm. are doing but I also have to put the guardrails on my own consumption because it will start to affect my own experience of like my of my channel if I mm -hmm. don't if it's not like and there's of course practices like you can clear it out but yeah it's um it's a strange it's a strange experience, I'll say. Yeah, it's a fun house experience. <laughs> I yeah. love that. A fun house experience. <laughs> yeah. And I think, too, one of the other things that um, one of my spiritual mentor had mentioned to me, and I think also trickling, not trickling back, <laughs> cutting back on the consumption <laughs> of other media is that, you know, oftentimes I would get stuck on... Um, if I don't have an idea, like an, an absolutely 100% original idea, like I don't deserve the mic. Oh, and what yeah. I, and that was a tough one. And I realized like when you're consuming other people's meat, it's like everyone, when an idea, when it's time for an idea to be birthed, everyone, more than one person is going to have that information. It's going to like rise up you know, out of the ether and to allow, um, that to happen and allow to have it to filter through my point of view doesn't mean it's more correct or not as correct as someone else's, but in order to have it have my, my magic added to it, that's where the, the channel needs to be a little bit more separated. I'll just say. Oh gosh. Yes. Yeah. So and, much yes to this. Yeah. And so I appreciate that you brought that up because I, I, I've never, talked about that with someone before mm -hmm. but it, it's very much I think part of the experience when you have this connection you know yeah, yeah. And, and it it's also I would say it's beyond again magical practices True. right this, Absolutely. this is something that we are all experiencing as uh cyber humans right <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, especially detrimental probably to people that are so connected and yeah, sensitive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so what are, um, what are some of the ways like, you know, it's time to like curb the consumption 
what are some of the signals that you get? <laughs> I mean, what you were talking about, this yeah. doubt, this like, well, mm -hmm. my shit is crap. <laughs> like I was thinking about talking about this, but now, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When I, I start self hating, um, yeah, it's sad. It's like, why, why is this doing this to me? Like, why am I feeling insecure? Um, yeah, there's many ways I think that social media like really plays with that insecurity mm -hmm. button that we have the imposter syndrome right. forever there. But yeah, I feel it. I mean, I feel it in my body too, right? Mm -hmm. It's like this horrible weight and I feel it on my neck. Uh, it's just, yeah, I need to, I need to get out. Yeah. And, um, and then when I do that, I'm not great at it, by the way. Like, yeah. This is oh, like a, a legit struggle. <laughs> <laughs> this is a struggle. Um, and I bet this is a struggle for for many people listening to this. Like we this is something that we are in the process of figuring it out, I think, collectively too. Um but yeah, I've noticed that when I'm able to disconnect, then the ideas begin to flow. There's like a softness that settles in creativity especially like I feel it a lot with my uh, sort of creative side mm. like I feel more fired up to create yeah without thinking about whether this is gonna go on social media or not which is a big question right when we create stuff nowadays like what is the purpose of this are you gonna share this or is this gonna be one of those little private things that no one's going to see. So it's like has no worth in capitalist uh, consumer society, totally. right? Um, these are the things, these are the thoughts, right? Yeah. The invasive thoughts. Um, but yeah, for me, it's very important to create things that are just for me, mm -hmm. right? Just for this spirit. And then if they go if they make their way out, then they make their way out. But uh, it's one thing to create with that aim in mind. Like, okay, this is something that I'm creating for the public. This is a message for the public versus like, this is a message that I'm receiving for myself. And maybe I will share it. Maybe I won't. You know? Yes. There's less pressure, I think, in that. Um Gosh, but this is a this is a quite a topic, mm -hmm. like content creation. <laughs> yeah, world, the, the monetization of the self. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and how we're all content creators nowadays, pretty much. Like right. you're selling something or trying to get people to pay attention to something that is important to us. This sort of like attention, like hey, hey. Look, look mm -hmm. at what I'm sharing. Care. Yeah. Care about this. That's yeah. one of the signals for me. Like uh, when I realize when I'm, when I find myself caught up in the 
oh gosh, that didn't get as many likes as I wanted. And I'm like, whoa, 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 <laughs> wait a second. When, when did that start happening? Cause we're, <sighs> when I'm, I'm, I feel my most happy, my most joyful and my most creative when I am just in the flow, creating what I want to create. Um, I have, and when I get out of that, that's when I'm in the, oh, how is this going to be received? What is, you know, what is the impact uh, that I'm having? And that's, it's, it's fascinating. And to observe myself in those moments is even more wild. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you know, air moon, I have to observe all my I have to intellectualize all my emotions. Like, hmm. it's like I'm, I have my own therapist in my head. Like, hmm, that was interesting. Why did you feel that way? <laughs> what are you going to do about that next? Hmm? <laughs> you know? So, yeah, that's so interesting. And it's a very, like, anti-capitalist. Like, if we think about just, like, the uh, that we all are, all content creators now creating content for these uh, companies, for these technology right. companies that have monopolized our attention. It's like, yeah, we, you can True. get caught up in that even like if you're aware of what's happening, you know? So, yeah, it's brutal. And also as you were saying with the love hate relationship, which I think is something that lots of people will, will, uh, yeah, will relate to this the love hate. Is mm -hmm. there another way to be in relationship with social media other than love hate? I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know either. But yeah, there's there is the love part of this, which is the connections. Um, you and I, for example, I feel like we have a relationship through social media. We met in another way, but. I really enjoy receiving your content, seeing what you're up to, you know? So there is yeah. quite a lot of love too. I feel um, close to you. I feel like a sense of intimacy from you and other, yeah. like other people. Same. Um, yeah. So, so I really appreciate that. And I don't know what other way I can, have that with someone like you that lives in the other side of the world if it wasn't for this you know malevolent <laughs> platform that we totally. hate yes that we love yeah. to hate yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no I agree yeah it's interesting um it, yeah I kind of just learned to live with it like oh it's mm. gonna be this Thing that I have lots of feelings about and that's just what it is it's a it's a it's a way to stay connected and yet um yeah just being aware of when I'm catching myself like oh am I trying to monetize myself like am I trying to monetize my my life my existence mm. because it's been ingrained into me that if I'm not making money constantly that I'm there's something wrong with me you know yeah like, like, what is the purpose? Right. Like, I always ask that question, like, what do you think we'd all be doing if all of our, if we all, if all of our needs were met, all of our basic needs were met, like thinking of like, you know, nobody was hungry. Everyone had a place. It's like, what would we all be doing with our time? <laughs> like, we, 
hopefully we wouldn't still be commodified and we'd be creating art. We'd be having culture. We'd be having discussions and it's like, okay, you know, yeah. I would hope that's I would hope what too. we would be doing. <laughs> um, having experiences. Maybe, yeah, maybe, yeah, being more, yeah, making love more often. Yeah, that in the moment, I know I was thinking one big giant orgy, but that's probably like <laughs> a little too much. But, you know, why not? Why not, right? Um, why not? Exactly. I don't see any problems. Yeah. And so... I would love to, as we kind of wrap up, if you could talk about um, what some of the things that like you're offering at the current time. Yeah, so I'm doing astrology readings uh, through my website. You can also reach me through Instagram. I just finished a huge round of year ahead readings. That was amazing, uh, but that's done unless you really feel like you need one, but I, I think I'm done with that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a big one. And yeah, now I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to do some tarot offerings. I'm sorry. Do you hear this dog? Yeah, a little bit, but it's okay. Okay. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, I don't currently have an offering for tarot readings, but I will soon, I think, just like mm -hmm. really feeling called into doing more tarot. Um, and then what else? I have a pretty exciting and unique experience that I'm co-hosting and co-curating with our friend, our mutual friend, Megan Fry, who was also in the first Magician's Table with both of us and Jonathan, and I'm guessing other people that are going to be in this yeah. podcast eventually. Um, so we're doing a retreat in Greece at the end of May. So it's going to be during Gemini season for a week, astrology mystical practices tarot ritual and yoga as well so that's from the 22nd of may until the 29th in paleros Greece. wow and i think the info will be there if you're interested we would love to have you we have some spots still available come, come on down like this is it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be relaxing. Um, you're not obligated to do any of the things that you don't want to do. For example, one of the things I'm thinking about is the, the yoga component. Like I am a practitioner of yoga, but I wouldn't call myself like a hardcore yogi, you know, mm -hmm. like maybe mm -hmm. I won't be doing yoga every day. Um, so think of it as like a very experimental free space um we're partnering with uh these people called food path in greece and they have a farm and they're going to be our our culinary mm -hmm. gurus for for the time we're there we're also going to have some cooking classes uh, yeah so check out the information on the website and reach out if you are interested in coming i think it's going to be really wonderful 
Yeah, it sounds amazing. And I'll, I'll link everything in the show notes for folks too, Thank so that you. they can access that and check it out. And yeah, I just thank you so much, Mariola, for uh, coming on the podcast and sharing a bit about yourself and your process and all of the exciting things coming up. I'm so happy to um, have hosted you today. Thank you for having me. It's my honor. Thank you. And there you have my conversation with Mariola. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I enjoy actually all of my conversations, but I I just really love this one. H1 actually, but this one especially because what I love is when folks bring up their point of view and it helps me see things differently and perhaps you too. I really appreciate uh, Mariola and speaking about, you know, just the impact of the, the noise in the world and how, you know, sometimes we can, we can internalize that and not realize it. And so I love the, the, guidepost, if you will, of, you know, when you start to feel that way, oh, that might be a signal to perhaps take in less media or perhaps put some guardrails around that. I I love that. And definitely follow Mariola on social media. I've got all the links in the show notes, get a reading. I think you can't go wrong. Check out the trip to Greece with Megan Fry. Megan Fry is another Magician's Table alum that we met in 2021. And we absolutely adore Megan. (laughs) I absolutely adore Megan. And uh, Megan is a world traveler and, you know, many, many things. Uh, So definitely check out that trip as well. I can't imagine what it would be like to be in Greece learning about astrology. It's on my list. I definitely will get there at some point. But um yeah, I I think that would be just, there's something about being in the place that you're at, like being the connection to the land that you're on um, that makes things just so much more potent. Um, I, you know, I've traveled to quite a few sacred sites related to my lineage, and I I can't wait to share more about that in the future. Um, but there is something just very, very special and undeniable about being standing like on the land where, you know, some of these things happened, you know, definitely check that out. Well, that's all for now. I am sending you lots and lots of love from all the places in between. Until next time. This has been The Nature of Invisible Things, produced, hosted by Aaron Kelly, artwork by Aaron Kelly, music by Matthew Jai Dev of Audio Soul Healing.